me this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we are going to pick back up uh, in our Armor of God series here, looking at the different pieces of armor that God has given us to help us fight against our enemy, uh, Satan and his forces. Uh, thus far, quick review for you. you. may remember the pieces of the armor. Paul describes a fully... Um, fully armored, fully battle-ready soldier, and he goes through the pieces of equipment that a Roman soldier would wear and parallels that to resources that God has given us in our battle against Satan and his forces. And so we talked about the belt of truth being God's word, and basically the premise was the Bible holds us all together, keeps it all, helps keep us together, and that's not a bad way to rephrase uh, the importance of the Bible. The Bible does indeed help keep us together just as a belt belt for a Roman soldier would allow him to keep his tunic and all of his clothing and all of his supplies nice and neat and secure very close to his person. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that right living, living rightly in Christ and through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit protects as the breastplate protected the major uh, organs uh, and the intestines, talking about the fact that that in ancient times was the seat of our thinking and of our emotions. So God, in living rightly before him, protects our mind and our emotions from the attacks of Satan. When we talked about the shoes of the gospel of peace, we were reminded that that peace tells us that we are made right with God through Jesus Christ and gives us secure footing. When Satan attacks us, uh, we have the victory over Satan because we are God's children, not children of the world, and therefore we can stand firm in that truth no matter what may buffet against us. We are secure in Christ because of the salvation in him. And we looked at then uh, the passage in Romans where it talks about us trampling Satan under our feet through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So giving us the victory in the shoes of the gospel over Satan. So today we come to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 where the apostle Paul talks about the next piece of armor and he says this, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So today we move to the shield, the shield of faith. And Roman soldiers generally had two kinds of shield. The first, and I think we've got some images here. The first was a small handheld shield. This was used for hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, your enemy is swinging uh, a sword at you and you take your shield and you defend that while you try to strike a blow at him. And so the first shield we're pretty familiar with is the small handheld, but there was a second shield and it was a little taller. Uh, you see kind of a replica here. Uh, they were about two feet wide and about four feet tall. Now, in ancient times, people were a little smaller than they are today uh, here in America, in particular in our Western world. So a shield two feet wide by four feet tall would pretty well hide a soldier in that day and time. And if you'll remember, as we talked about the greaves that were on a soldier's feet, protecting his feet uh, and his, his uh, calves and his shin bones up to his knees, and then obviously wearing a helmet, you would realize that, hey, standing behind a, a, a big shield like that with some, something protecting your head and your feet, you were pretty well guarded from things that would be coming at you. But additionally, not just an individual soldier, but as soldiers would get together with these shields, I think we've got a, a kind of a picture here. These are some reenactments. I mean, look at that. 
I mean, what if that's like a, you know, tin can that's, you know, mobile right there. I mean, these guys, you know, packing it all in. I mean, that's a great formation. If you are charging uh, at, at your enemy, if you're coming up to a city wall, you're very, very well protected. And so, uh, you know, these modern reenactments, uh, our, our imagery and the things that we have, it's a little bit different material because of what we use in our age. But just to give you an idea of how protected these soldiers could be with these shields as they used them in various formations and in various ways. And so when the Apostle Paul here tells us that we should take up in all circumstances the shield of faith, he uses the word for that bigger shield. He doesn't use the word describing the small handheld version. He talks about the big one that covers and protects your entire body. That's the word that he used. Now, as we look at these kind of images, most of these are made out of metal because we use our technology and our processes to press out metal and aluminum. But in ancient times, this shield uh, was generally made of wood and it was covered with either metal or most commonly leather. Again, because of metal processing in that day, if you put metal on a big shield like that, man, that thing was heavy to have to pack around. They didn't have a small, you know, sheet of aluminum. So most often they covered it with, uh, with leather. And so Paul uses this picture of this soldier carrying this big shield to tell us about a resource that's available to us as we spiritually fight against our enemy, the devil. And so let's talk this morning about the spiritual shield of faith, the shield that God has given us to fend off Satan and his flaming darts. You know, one of the best ways to win against an enemy is to make sure he can't hurt you, right? I mean, we're able to watch in our day and time, and and we've seen this again in recent weeks as we've ramped up our involvement uh, against an enemy, that one of the things that we do is we go and we attack their weapons caches. You know, we want to make sure they don't have things to fire back at us. Uh, We go and we try to destroy communication centers if they can't talk to one another and coordinate their efforts. You know, that protects us because they're disorganized as they uh, come after us. And so we've seen how we uh, then attack transportation as well. You know, we want them to, to, to be as immobile as possible. So we're doing these things to keep ourselves from, from being attacked with the, the weapons that they have. You know, football teams, you put an offensive line up there because you want to protect your quarterback, right? Cowboys should have thought about that last week when they played your Redskins, right? So I know many of you were watching that game and, and uh, you know, probably weren't too, you know, upset when their quarterback went out. But it's always we want to protect our quarterback. I mean, he's the guy distributing the ball, overseeing our offense. We want to make sure he's safe and secure. And you don't want him being hit by the defense. So you put this protection out there to guard against that. Uh, boxing movies. Many of you are movies, and you know that I watch and reference those quite often. And in various boxing movies, there are different lines and different strategies about the, the best thing in boxing to, to, uh, to win is to not get, you know, hit, not get hurt by your opponent. And pretty much every movie except the Rocky series, they kind of follow that motif, you know. Uh, remember the Karate Kid uh, when in the one with a little drum and he did the drum like this and the two little balls would go around. The idea was as the guy would swing at you, you avoid his punch and you land a punch at the same time, you know. So you want to protect yourself from being hit by the enemy, And Paul tells us that we have a shield. God gives us a weapon, a resource to protect us from the flaming darts of the devil. 
So let's think about these flaming darts. If we want to understand the benefit of the shield, let's look at the weaponry that our enemy has. What are flaming darts? How did they parallel to ancient times? Well, ancient archers, when they were firing at an enemy, they would take uh, their arrows and they would take the end of the arrow and they would wrap some kind of material, a cloth material around it, and they would dip it in a substance known as pitch, kind of a rubbery, very thick uh, substance that when lit would burn. It was very flammable, but also when it would hit, it would splatter. And everywhere the splatter went was a small piece of that flame, that hot material that went with it. So it would hit and not just hurt with the arrow, but also could set fire fire to things that were around it. And so the archers would would, uh, take their arrow, dip in pitch, and then they would fire at the enemy. Now, I don't know, as I kind of thought about this, I I grew up in the country, so we would very often burn stuff. And one of the most fun things to burn was plastic. And if you ever take plastic and get a glob of it and it just drips off and it's just like little pieces of fire that you're dropping on everything and you go start new fires with that. Did that on many, many occasions, starting a whole lot of fires as a kid burning stuff up out there in in the country. But that's kind of the idea. When it would hit, it would splatter uh, and harm the enemy. And so shields, Paul writes would be used to extinguish these arrows. As this arrow would come in, it would hit, and the arrow wouldn't penetrate. It would deflect off, but the substance that it hit, this shield protected with leather, would also extinguish. It would prevent that flaming arrow from burning. And you see, we have an enemy who is constantly firing at us, is he not? He is relentless. He is merciless. And this enemy knows your weak spots. He knows when you're vulnerable. He knows your emotions. He knows your psychological state. He knows when you're tired and when you're weary. He knows when to attack and he knows where to attack. I don't want you to raise your hand on this. But how many of you have a particular sin or sin area that you have struggled with for a long, long time? Again, don't raise your hands, but you know what I'm talking about? These areas of great temptation, these areas of struggle that you probably have prayed that God would release you from or help you overcome over and over and over again. And if you're like most people, You will find yourself succumbing to this temptation and you'll give in to that temptation and the guilt and the shame and the regret. And you may have said to yourself, am I ever going to stop? Why do I continue doing what I don't want to do and what I've told myself I would never do again? You see, these are the flaming darts. Of our enemy. And sometimes the dart, the arrow doesn't have to land for the full impact. He can just get close and the splatter, the temptation that goes around it is just enough to trigger and set the temptation before us, which leads us into, into sin. Our enemy knows us and he is always aiming these arrows and these flaming darts. But the Apostle Paul says the shield of faith will protect us from these flaming arrows. 
So what is this faith that Paul is talking about? Well, Paul's not talking about our, about our salvation faith, where we are saved and we're forgiven of our sins. You know, we just uh, celebrated that saving faith through the Lord's Supper, that we admit to our sins, we repent of our sins, we believe that Christ died for us, we receive him as our Savior and Lord, are forgiven of our sins, we're made new, we're made right, and we're adopted as sons and daughters of God. That's not the body, that's not the kind of faith that Paul is referencing here because there's salvation faith, faith necessary to be saved, but there's another component of faith. This is the faith of daily living in the fullness and the power and the presence of God. And that's the kind of faith that Paul is talking about here. This is the part of our faith that grows. Is your faith growing? Has your faith grown? How does our faith, our dependence, our trust in God grow over time? You see, this is the kind of faith that believes in God in the day in and day out situations and circumstances of life as we walk with God. It's that daily faith, that daily trust in journeying with Christ in every set of situations and circumstances. And this is the faith that grows over time because as we step out in faith and we believe God and we trust in him, The Bible says that we are blessed because of that faith, but it also says that our faith is strengthened because we see that God is able to provide for us. God is able to watch over us. God is able to help us in whatever situation or circumstance we may encounter. And because we see God's faithfulness, our faith is strengthened so that we're more readily able to exercise greater faith in God in the future. So this is how our faith grows and strengthens because we see that God is faithful in our lives. So this is the kind of Paul of faith that Paul is talking about. So he says, when you have the shield of daily faith and trust and dependence upon God, that protects you from the flaming darts of the enemy. So let's talk a little bit about faith. Paul quotes Habakkuk twice in the New Testament when he says, the righteous shall live by faith. And say, well, faith is something that, it's kind of an abstract thought. It's something that you can't see. Okay, you want to say that, but here's the thing. We live each and every day with very practical, very active faith in a lot of things. Do you realize that you practice faith every single day, very often without even thinking about it? For instance, did any of you on your way into church this morning drive over a bridge between your house and the church? Anybody? Anybody drive over a bridge somewhere, small, large, whatever? Okay, well, a lot of you drove over a bridge. You probably never even thought twice about driving over that bridge. But as you did, did you realize you were exercising faith in several things? You were exercising faith in the engineers who designed that bridge. Hey, those individuals, they knew what they were talking about. They knew what they were doing. I trust that they know how to build a bridge that's gonna be sturdy. You put faith in the materials that built that bridge. 
Chances are if you'd driven up and it's like eight sticks held together with a piece of twine, you'd have said, I'm going to put this in reverse and go a different route today, right? But you had faith in the materials that they used. You put faith in the men and women who constructed that bridge. You didn't know them didn't know them from Adam, who they were, anything about them, their, their skills, their abilities to be able to do that. But you trusted that they were following the plan set forth by engineers using materials to build that bridge. You drove over that bridge and didn't think a thing about it. You had faith in all of those things. Anybody eat anything this morning? No? All right. All right, well, you guys are like me. I save up for lunch, all right? I have a big lunch on Sunday, so maybe you didn't. But when we eat, we don't, we're not like kings of old who have, you know, people who, who test our wine and our drink and who eat our food to make sure it's not poisoned. You don't even think twice about your food not being poisoned or, or rotten or spoiled. We, don't, we just have faith that it's been prepared adequately and that it's, you know, we trust our family members or the servers who are serving our food. We exercise faith in these times. We put our faith in a lot of stuff. Our security is in the hands uh, and our safety is in the hands of of features on, on airplanes and on boats and cars and buses. We live in faith in a lot of ways. But here's the thing. Faith is only as good as the object in which we place our faith. Faith is only as good as the object in which we place our faith. You want to know how trusting I am in faith? You know the carnival that comes to the mall sometimes and sets up the rides over there? My kids love that thing. And so that's been one of our adventure things is to go with them. And so here not too long ago, Daniel, uh, our youngest, was with us. The older two had gone, do, were doing something. And so Daniel kind of had mom and dad to himself. We're like, hey, what do you want to do? He wanted to go to the fair at the mall. So we go over and it had been raining. So they had everything closed down. Well, the rain had stopped. We're like, oh, we'll go, we'll go now. Maybe first thing that we weren't thinking through. So we go to this one ride that goes up and spins around and it all swings back and forth. And they'd been running it. And we're like, well, I guess it's okay. So I walked up to the guy and said, so you got it dried off? Are you ready? He said, I think so. We haven't had anybody on it. You guys ready? And a little part of me went, no. But Daniel's like, yeah, let's do it, Dad. Because now he's tall enough. He can ride the big rides that he couldn't before. So I get in. I'm strapped onto this thing. And Shelly's on the ground just laughing. Man, I white-knuckled that thing going around through there. I mean, it's kind of, you know, intense as it is. I'm sitting there going, dude, this has been raining. The guy's like, I don't know if it's ready or not. Let's see how it's going to go. And and we were, the direction we were going, if the thing had come loose, it would have hurled me right onto the middle of I-95 out there. But we put a lot of faith in that. And we all live with a certain level of faith in things. But our faith is only as good as the object in which we place our faith. So here's the thing. If our faith is in God we can have no greater object of security and provision than him. And when we place our faith in God, we'll find that nothing is more faithful, nothing or no one is more true or trustworthy than God himself. And here's the thing, faith in God never fails because God never fails. Faith in God never fails because God never fails. And here's what the Bible tells us about placing our faith in him and his work of protecting and guarding us against the people and the ways and the systems and the forces in this world. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. 
He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 18, verse 30. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith, John says, our faith, not our faith because we're good and we're strong and we can muster up a lot of faith, but our faith in God. We overcome the world because of our faith in him and because he is true and he is faithful. Our faith will help us overcome the things of this world. You know, the last thing to remember about this, this idea of this shield is what I told you earlier is it was covered in leather. They would take leather and secure it on there. And here's one thing that you need to understand about leather. And, and two, we, we know a little bit about leather today, but our leather has been so chemically treated and worked over that it, that it responds and reacts differently than leather uh, somewhat in ancient times when they didn't have as, as much treatment. Uh, so leather gets dry. If you don't uh, you know, keep it oiled up and, and, and things applied to it, leather can get very dry, can get, kind of get flaky, it can get brittle, uh, and, and it can even, it can be much more penetrable penetrable when it is dried out. And so one thing that soldiers had to do, whether they were in active battle or not actively engaged in battle, they had to oil their shields. We've been talking about the daily regimen of each morning, uh, you know, the soldier getting ready with his shoes and with his breastplate and with his, uh, with his belt and with all these pieces of armor. They had to gather all this armor. They had to take care of this stuff. And part of caring for their armor was to, again, whether they were in battle or not in battle, they oiled their shield so it would stay soft. It would stay supple. It would stay pliable so that when the enemy shot a flaming dart, it would hit this moist, soft leather and extinguish. But if it hit against dry, hard, flaky leather, you know what it did? It hit and it splattered. It didn't extinguish. It did what the enemy wanted it to do. It it set forth its damage in a small circle around it. So the soldiers had to spend time regularly and consistently caring for a shield. What was it the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 16, the very beginning, he says, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. You see, if we're going to have a faith that is strong, a faith that will stand against the enemy, a faith that will extinguish the flaming darts of our enemy, we too must care for our shield of faith. If we neglect it and leave it in disrepair, we are more vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. So how do we build? How do we care for? How do we maintain a strong faith that fends off? the attacks of the enemy by cultivating a growing personal relationship with Christ. 
when we spend time in God's word, reading and studying and memorizing and allowing God to speak to us through his word, our faith is strengthened. When we spend time in prayer, speaking to and listening to and allowing God to speak to us and guide us, our faith is strengthened. When we spend time in biblical community and godly relationships with other believers, our faith is strengthened. When we give of our time and of our talent and of our treasures, our faith and dependence and trust in God is strengthened. When we serve God, when we step out in obedience and say, Lord, I'm kind of nervous about this. Lord, this is scary for me. I don't know that I'm able to do this, but I feel like you're leading me to do it. So, Lord, I'm going to take this step of faith and follow you in obedience. Our faith is strengthened. That's how we strengthen our faith. And that strong faith protects us from the flaming darts of Satan and his forces. So a couple of closing thoughts for you this morning related to this shield of faith. Remember that when your faith is in front of you and your faith covers everything, then it protects you. And I know that sounds really, really obvious, but think about it. When your faith, this shield of a soldier, when it was in front of him and protected everything, he was protected. If he just had his small shield, he was way more vulnerable. But when he had his shield and when it was in front of him, he was protected. You know, and when we live and walk in faith in Jesus Christ and we keep our faith in front of us, when we live it out, when we share it, when people see and know the difference that Christ has made in our lives and we hold no area back and we let our faith guide and direct every area, every part of our lives, we are protected. I used to tell students all the time, particularly high school students and college students when I was in campus ministry, uh, at that stage in life, dating and girlfriends and boyfriends and relationships, it's such a huge part of life. And I would tell them when you are living out your faith, when people see and know of your faith in Jesus Christ and where you stand, you are naturally protected because there are some individuals who won't even approach you to ask you out on a date to be in a relationship with you because they see and they know of your faith. And they know that they're not walking with the Lord. They're not believers and that you're not going to participate in things they would want you to participate in. I told them your faith protects you when you live your faith because some people won't even approach you because they know whose you are and they know that you're going to stand with him and for him in everything that you do. And that's how our faith, when it's in front of us and when it covers everything, it protects us. Secondly, I would encourage you from this passage and from what we're reminded of with the Apostle Paul to strengthen your faith through the regular practice of spiritual disciplines. That soldier had to oil his shield. For our faith to grow, we must pursue a personal relationship with Christ. Don't neglect this area of your life, this practice of pursuing Christ and allowing God to strengthen your faith through him. Spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, serve, give, share your faith, grow in Christ 
so that your faith will be strengthened and will cover your life. It'll be strong and in good condition, not in disrepair and deteriorated. And finally, I would say this reminder. Stand together with others in faith. Stand together with others in faith. Was Paul's going through all of this imagery. He's talking about the soldier. He's talking about the shield. He knows, and this is a reminder that we're not in this alone. There are other people with us. And I think that picture earlier was a great, great reminder to us of the strength that we have together how much more protected, how much more effective we can be for Christ as we are together in the body of Christ. Our faith is stronger together than it would be if we are out on our own. The Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You know, you take one string and you can break that pretty easily. You add two, it takes a little more. But also when you do the, the, the physics research of this, it's not just that when you have one string, it can support X amount of weight and you add two strings, it just doubles that and a third string triples it. You begin to exponentially increase the strength of that strand by adding more cords. It just doesn't double, triple, quadruple. It exponentially increases what it's able to do. The same is true in the body of Christ. We are called together as a body to work together for the sake and the cause of Christ. So as we come to our time of response, as we look at and we think about this shield of faith, questions for you this morning are this. Have you placed your faith in Christ for salvation? If you've never confessed your sins and repented of those sins, believe that Christ died for you and received him as your Savior and Lord, I invite you to do that today, to begin this journey of faith with Jesus Christ. But secondly, I ask, is your faith out in front of you? Is it being lived out? Is it being evidenced? Is it covering every part of your life? Or are there areas of your life where you're like, God, you know, I know you probably want to guide me and direct me in this, but I'm just gonna kind of hold on to this part. Maybe it's my finances and my giving. Maybe it's in, in relationships and dating. Maybe it's in my, uh, in my career path. You know, I, I've got these goals and these things that I wanna do. And Lord, if I surrender to you, you might lead me in a different path and a different direction. So I'm gonna hold on to this and I'll give you time on Sunday and I'll do this and I'll do that. But Lord, these areas, I'm gonna hold on to this part. No, God is in control of and wants full control of every area of your life. So is your faith in front of you and is it covering and protecting every area of your life? Because here's the reminder of this. If you've not surrendered an area of your life to Christ and living in faith for him, that area is vulnerable. You are way more susceptible to the flaming darts, the flaming arrows of Satan in those areas than in the areas that are protected where you're more fully surrendered to Christ and his way. So if there's any area that God has revealed that you're holding back and you've not surrendered to him, give it over to him today. Step out in faith. Trust him that his ways, his plans, his purposes will bring about his blessings, his fulfillment, his direction in your life. And finally, the last reminder is this. Question for evaluation. Are you preparing? Are you oiling? Are you taking care of your shield of faith by cultivating a growing relationship with Christ. If there's an area where you need to increase and trust God more with your faith today, would you give that to him as we come to our time of response? Let's pray.